0: Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Clockworks, a Legion podcast. And it is about time we were back.
1: It is about time.
0: It is. It's about time. It's about time. It's about time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you got caught in a loop there, Paul. A little time loop. <laughs>
0: We're really sorry that it's been so long since we recorded our last episode. It's been, like, forever. We recorded a volume one recap of season three, and then a month passed. We're sorry about that. In a uh, explanation, that was not just neglect or laziness. Things went on in our lives. And one of them, the less important of them, is that we moved... And we're still in the middle of moving, which is why our sound quality... I don't know if you can, you'll can you be able to hear a difference, but we're not recording where we used to, and we don't have the setup we used to have, and it'll be back to normal eventually. But uh, setting everything up would have taken even more time, and we thought it was high time we get recording. The other more profound reason why we had such a long break, some of you know if you follow me on Twitter... um Early in October, my brother, who had been uh, fighting cancer for years, died, uh, and it was, we were all very prepared for it, because he'd been sick for a long time, and yet I was not at all prepared for it, and I was not capable of recording a fun podcast about a TV show for a while. I just, I couldn't do it. Uh... But I think I can again, and I think I'm ready to go.
1: Thank you so much for your understanding, and for sticking with us even though we took this time off and Legion was over like a long time ago.
0: Yeah, if you're still, <laughs> if you're still subscribed and listening to and waiting for an update about a Legion podcast when Legion ended, uh, thank you. We appreciate you a lot. Mm-hmm. We sure do. So, let's actually get going on this. We recorded last time our Volume 1, Season 3 recap. We talked all about characters. This is Volume 2. We have ideas of what we're going to talk about this volume, but let's not say what they are in case we don't get to them all.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> but I think I will say at the top that we will definitely do a one, at least one more episode of Clockworks that'll be a series recap or a series retrospective or whatever Mm -hmm. where we will think back over the whole series what it means what our thoughts about it some emotions about it and on that last episode we would love to have some feedback reactions questions things from you so if you have thoughts about the whole series of legion as a whole Or about Clockworks, our podcast as a whole, if you want to ask us questions about the show or about our show, send those to us by email, clockworkscast at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at Clockworkscast, and we will... Save those up and we'll answer them in our series wrap-up episode, which will come not a month away. No,
1: definitely (laughs) not. We'll try and record that either next week or very soon after. Yes. That's our goal.
0: That's our goal. So, we talked about uh, characters last time. I thought we would start this time by talking about images and things. Mm Mm-hmm. In this last season of Legion. And Jan, you have prepared, you've been keeping track and you have prepared uh, a kind of a list of the different title cards okay. that we've had. I was, I
1: was worried when you led up to that, I was like, I've prepared one, what have i prepared. <laughs> Jan, <you laughs> what have, have I been doing?
0: <laughs> you have prepared a 45 minute lecture on the image. No, you've prepared like a list. You've got a little list well, in I front have, of you, I am told.
1: I have a little list of all of the title cards that appeared in this season. Um, So there were... How many episodes? (laughs) There were eight episodes in this season, and there were seven of them had title cards in them. Okay. So the first one was Toy Robots. In the second one, Legion was pulled by a toy... The word Legion was pulled by a toy plane. The third one had nothing. No title card in that one. Uh, the fourth episode had, uh, a notebook with a sketch of switch. The, for some reason I have these as A, B, C, D, E. And so I have to like stop myself and say what, <laughs> what letter of the alphabet is that? So in the fifth episode, it's the fish tank with a sponge that turns right. into the word Legion. Uh, seventh episode is a bunch of different odds and ends, found objects. Uh, Episode seven. I think I said seven twice. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. It's sewn in red thread. Okay. And lastly, the last episode is um, mobile above above David's bed.
0: Right. And that's the... Okay. So do you see... Do you want to go through those episode by episode? Do you think that those are connected to the episode that they're attached to?
1: Well... We did talk, when we talked about each episode, we talked about them there. I think that it's really significant that, looking back on it now, that the third episode is the one with Gabrielle and Charles mm-hmm. and their whole backstory. And that's the one with nothing, with no title card. And so we're never told that this is a Legion episode. And I thought that was really interesting. Really? That every episode has a title card except that one.
0: And it's not, so it's essentially not a Legion episode. Mm-hmm. That's the episode we called She Comes in Colors again. again. <laughs> um, do you think huh do you think there's like when you look at them all as a group do you see any does any idea or pattern yeah. jump out at you? Does it jump out at you? I want to hear your thoughts.
1: They're all like toys. Yeah. It's children's things. It's like toys and notebook and a Fish in like sponges that you put in the bathtub and and
0: like, even like the red thread is like
1: yeah crafty. still crafty exactly and so it's very much i feel like all of these these title cards are going back to childhood mm-hmm.
0: and we interesting i don't think it is actually i'm trying to think of i mean you you read that list and i didn't write it down but i'm trying to think i don't think it there's a pattern of going backwards in time like the last one Mm. is the baby mobile so it's the youngest but i don't think there's any kind of pattern of no not order no so like i mean i think the uh, the most important aspect of that is that like it's childhood this whole season is about childhood Mm -hmm. it's kind of this whole show has been about childhood but especially this season. Yeah, let's stick to this season.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Just, um, yeah, so I think... Let's talk a bit about childhood. Okay, go. Of this show. <laughs> because th- this season has been... It turned out, in the end, that this season was all about getting David back to his baby self. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that from the beginning, but when we look at it now, after having seen it all, it's all... Just focusing closer and closer in on baby David, in on that very first image of the series, and how it's, uh, and then of course we have Sid's second childhood, right? And so it's again, it's just again and again we're seeing these images from the characters' childhoods.
0: And what's the like the whole episode with Sid's childhood? is important in this season and then sid talks about it pretty explicitly later about mm-hmm. the idea of having a second childhood and, like... and
1: that our childhoods shape who we are yeah it's very important in the show is that if david has a better childhood if he's not given up by his parents if he's not influenced by farouk he turns out differently
0: and if he and turns out differently, that's what kind of saves the world, the big picture.
1: Exactly. And when Sid has a different childhood and is raised by different parents, she turns out differently mm-hmm. and more well-adjusted. And it's...
0: more forgiving
1: mm-hmm.
0: or peaceful.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So that it's like, it's there's an interesting aspect of circularity. Of going back to a second childhood, but I think also just the idea of, like, how important childhood is for shaping your character. I didn't think of it till I am talking right now, but Switch also, what seemed like her adolescence and even uh, kind of decay is revealed at the end to have been her childhood.
1: Yeah, she was a baby. Those are her baby teeth. Those are her baby
0: teeth. So what we saw of Switch was she was a child. Mm -hmm. We kind of interpreted her as a teenager or a young adult, but she was a child, actually. So she's also about childhood.
1: Mm -hmm. You're right. And frankly, uh, Carrie and Carrie... Mm -hmm. It's uh, female Carrie coming into her maturity as well, that she has been a child for so long inside of male Carrie, and that finally this separation brought her out of her childhood as well and brought her to his level.
0: It's interesting that Carrie comes out of childhood and so does Switch. David goes into childhood and Sid re-experiences her childhood and but comes out of it. So Sid and David both get a second childhood, but David doesn't... I mean, David is just entering his second childhood. I don't know if I have a deep thought about that. It's just mm. interesting how they're all...
1: They're all different.
0: They're all different. It's we, we don't have a common, like, everybody comes back to their childhood at the end of the show. No.
1: no.
0: Some people are coming out of their childhood instead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the other thing that strikes me about all these title cards... The slightly more ominous (laughs) reading Mm. of it is that they're playthings. And there's an idea through this whole season of people as objects and people as robots and people as playthings and what you have to do to give people uh, agency and control of themselves and treat them as if they're full humans rather than just objects you know yes exactly
1: yeah well definitely we have david who's running this cult Mm -hmm. who he just literally does not care about these people they're just set dressing for his life he makes them disappear and does not even realize doesn't even care where they've gone yeah whether they're dead or alive does not matter to him
0: And we see that kind of happen with Lenny, too. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, that's another childhood thing. Lenny experiences her daughter's childhood.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that when we were talking about childhood, but I didn't say it because... Yeah, but it is a different take on it. It's not Mm -hmm. her childhood, but it's seeing childhood from a different perspective, and it's what matures her. I mean, she kind of grows out of a uh, immaturity, maybe not childhood, but a prolonged adolescence because she has a child that she sees grow up and it changes her perspective on herself and on the world
1: yeah absolutely
0: and arguably so does gabrielle
1: Mm Hmm.
0: right yeah or she has the opportunity to or i don't know
1: yeah
0: Hmm. there's other images or ideas or motifs Not ideas. Other images or things or motifs that show up through the season that I wanted to, like, think a little bit about. And some of them we talked about as the season went by, so we can be pretty quick about them. But we talked in the episodes about colours and the importance of the kind of theories of uh, what the colours mean on the show. And this season is a very blue season. I mean... Let's focus on this season, but the whole show kind of has blue in it. But this season, more than usually. Mm-hmm. And what do we, like... What does blue mean? What do, do we have anything to say about colors different from what we've said on an episode by episode, if you're thinking over the whole season?
1: No, because I'm more thinking of the whole series, that it goes from red to green to blue. I wonder on whether... The three seasons.
0: Is the second season really green, you think?
1: Or possibly the first season's green, the second season's red, and the third season's
0: blue. I'm not sure.
1: Because they all contain all those colors. <laughs> they do. But... but yeah,
0: there is there does seem to be a shift in the dominant color of each season. Mm-hmm. That's something to look back on when we talk about the whole yeah, seasons. Yeah, I think so.
1: I mean, I think this season, we heard about blue in previous seasons, but this season it's like this season it's like explicitly said that like it's blue it's always blue it just just keeps getting repeated we have these blue flowers the blue drugs it's like right in our faces Mm
0: -hmm. and the other kind of tied to blue in my mind there's like two there's a number and we talked about this again in the episode that it came up with but i'm just bringing it up again if we have any thoughts With the whole season behind us, about Alice in Wonderland, Mm. because Lenny is the blue Mad Hatter, and there's the Cheshire Cat, and there's the imagery and the idea of Alice in Wonderland from the perspective of the whole season. Do we have anything new to say or interesting to notice about Alice in Wonderland?
1: You say blue. You didn't mean like the actual blue character in Alice in Wonderland is the caterpillar. Yeah. Who smokes the hookah pipe that's right and so there is the image of like they're all breathing in this smoke yeah you're right so that's actually even more else in wonderland there i mean it's down the rabbit hole it's down a a path that they've gone down to this weird world and we're just constantly immersed in this very weird surreal world and having the idea linking it to Alice in Wonderland brings up like brings us to this isn't real this is a TV show hmm. this yeah. is con- like in this season especially we're really hit in the face with like hey this is a TV show this is fiction that you're watching and I think the Alice in the Wonderland Alice the Alice in the Wonderland <laughs> whoa.
0: The Alice in the Wonderland.
1: <laughs> Alice in Wonderland is one of those uh, key points to kind of bring us to, like, there's fi- it's a fictional, fictional world.
0: That's true. And that's an aspect of Alice in Wonderland I didn't quite think of, but it is definitely true of, I mean, of the book, really, really. Of the movie, a little less. But it gets pegged as a surreal book, but it's also very conspicuously fictional and like drawing attention to its uh artificiality
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like it's not a book that lets you pretend that lets you forget that you're reading a book yeah and this isn't a show that lets you forget you're reading a show watching a show and that is a similarity between them that i hadn't quite thought of because i thought of i think we talked about when we talked about the episode that it particularly shows up in like down the rabbit hole and it's an alternate world and a world of weirdness, but it's very true. And I didn't think also when we talked about it before, when we think of the whole season that Alice in Wonderland is kind of also about childhood, that Alice is on the verge of adolescence Mm -hmm. and part of what Alice in Wonderland kind of thematically is about is her, potentially leaving childhood imagination behind and anxieties surrounding that in kind of the same way that like uh Peter Pan almost Mm -hmm. even
1: uh Wizard of Oz is like this desire to like I want to get out get away and go over the rainbow and then as soon as she is it's like oh no I I kind of want to get back home now Mm -hmm. this is too weird
0: and if Alice in Wonderland is the is one of the dominating illusions for this season, who's Alice? Switch all of us. Us. <laughs> yeah. I mean Switch is the one who goes down a hole.
1: Yeah. Well and then like uh Squirrel is the one at the tea party who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. So there's a few.
0: But I think you're totally right. We're Alice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Good call. <laughs> The other illusion... Is there... Do you have anything else to say about that? No,
1: I was going to go into... Uh, speaking of fictional characters and fictional connections, Charlie Brown is something mm-hmm. that comes up repeatedly in this show. I mean, not repeatedly, a couple of times.
0: But, like, more than just the one episode. Yeah, exactly. It is kind of repeated. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of that? And we
1: talked a bit about that in a previous episode, but I just want to highlight, like, Charlie Brown is yet another fictional character it's we have a lot of sympathy for charlie brown Mm -hmm. and if we're comparing david with charlie brown it suddenly puts him in this much more sympathetic light that everything just goes terribly for charlie brown is that what we think of david just like because he's got had a rough childhood everything went terribly that's why he's a sad sad sack that's why he is the person he is
0: and that's, it was the think? second episode of the season, the, uh, we called it Charlie Brown. It mm-hmm. starts with the Charlie Brown song. And that definitely was the point, like the first episode of the season, we were not sympathetic, or I certainly wasn't sympathetic with David. Mm-hmm. We were on Switch, we were with Switch, and we were kind of, uh, sympathetic with Sid trying to kill David. Yeah. Charlie Brown, we see things more from David's perspective and we're more sympathetic with him. Does that sympathy last the whole episode? I mean, this is a a classic rules of narrative. How do you write a story according to the rules is if you want someone to be sympathetic with your main character, you give them vulnerability. Vulnerability is where sympathy comes from. I'm getting that wording from... uh, the podcast How Story Works by Lonnie Diane Rich but the idea is I mean she's not the first one to notice that at all uh Charlie so Charlie Brown is a very 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 vulnerable character Mm -hmm. and whenever we associate David with Charlie Brown we're drawing attention to his vulnerabilities and his weaknesses is that how we see David or is it how he sees himself As like, I'm a sad sack.
1: Yeah. I think definitely David wants us to feel sympathy for him.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And he's not entirely... I mean, he's not successful. No, definitely (laughs) not. He has moments, though. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of the series, or by the end of the show... Season. Season's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) By the end of the season... Like the position that Sid eventually finds herself is she has sympathy for David as a child. And sympathy for David as a child does not mean for her uh, empathy for or, or approval of David's actions as an adult. So she finds herself a way to feel sympathy for him. Another thing that we noticed in, through the whole season is this is a season full of weird things to do with scale. There's giant things and there's tiny things. There's switch holding a giant toothbrush. There's the giant pig. There's the... They're inside a like mailbox or letter sorting thing. What is with all the things that are the wrong size?
1: I feel like it's... uh, There's nothing uh, tiny unless it's them. Yeah, that's what I mean.
0: Like, we talked when it happened, we couldn't decide whether we thought things were giant or whether they were small.
1: Yeah, and I think that I believe that they're small. They're, like, metaphorically or, you know, (laughs) symbolically small. And it's showing that they're like dolls, like playthings for David for time. They're playthings for David, but they're also playthings for time. Hmm. for like they're they're just tiny players in a giant game. Right. Yep. there's more than just them to the world. But they're manipulating the whole world. Like, they're playing with giant things. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. They're they're playing with the whole history of the world, really. Like, David, by going back in time and changing this stuff, he's changing the whole history of the world. Right. And that's a huge thing for him to be changing.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot, that idea that they're playing with things that are too big for them. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that better, I think, than we said at the time. And I still think it's true that, like, it's about them be them being playthings. Mm-hmm. But I think I like it better, what you just said about they are playing with stuff that's too big for them. Yeah. I like that quite a lot. And I think it totally fits with what we see happening in the show. Mm-hmm. And It's not just David. It's all of them. Yeah. And sometimes they're playing with things that are too big for them because they have to, because David has put things that, and time is playing with them and they're in the position. Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily that they have like hubris and they're trying, it's just that they're like in this position where they have to cope and everything's too big for them.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, they play with, they mess with time and then time messes back with them. Yep. And you have the time (sighs) demons come back out and mess with them.
0: Totally. What is with all the robots this season? We said, I I mean, Switch says that she is helping David because he is a person and Farouk is a robot. And we talked about that at the time, but having seen the whole season, do we have any perspective on that we didn't have before? And the robots through the whole season?
1: Are there robots through the whole season? What do you mean by that?
0: I mean, there's robots in the, uh, there's an opening credit robot. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, Switch's father collects robots only at, by the end of the season, we have a different understanding of him and who he is. Yeah. Um, there's...
1: The Vermillioner robots. The
0: Vermillioner robots. They were in season two, but they're in season three again. And, uh, Photonomy is now a robot. And there's, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, like, metaphorically, the way that David treats his cult is kind of like they're robots, Mm. like they're mechanical rather than human. I'm trying to think if there's any other literal robots.
1: Right. It's once again more with, like, playing with people, Mm -hmm. messing with things. What do you think?
0: I think just that, like, The whole idea that Switch's father collected robots and she used to pretend she was a robot too. And then by the end of the season, we see Switch's father with a totally different perspective. And she sided with David over Farouk because Farouk was a robot. And I still am not sure what she really means by that. Yeah, I agree. And if Switch's father collected robots... And then turns out by the end of the show to have been like a higher being. Does that suggest something about how he sees the regular people that he's Mm. detached from them and kind of manipulating and moving them around? Yes, I'd say so. But she, the fact that she goes back and like tells them that their lives had meaning seems to be that she remains connected to them in some way. Or with some kind of perspective that he doesn't have. And
1: maybe that was the purpose of her being on Earth or whatever, living out a bit of a human life.
0: Right. And then I also think that, like, in terms of thematically and uh, symbolically, robots are about free will. And Mm -hmm. time loops are about free will. And childhood is about free will. Like, the questions that we raised about... Everything from, like, is David Charlie Brown because poor me, my life was bad, to the, like, he gets to have a second childhood and maybe things will be all right. Is the like, is he just a robot who's programmed? Mm-hmm. Do you give a certain input and a certain output happens? Or is there more to what a person is? Mm-hmm. I think that's a question the show doesn't exactly answer. Mm-hmm. But it's interested in asking this season.
1: Yeah. I see on your notes you wanted to talk about guilt and I'm thinking about like robots don't feel feelings they don't feel guilt they aren't culpable Hmm. as much as like is there a reason that we have vermilion where they can be like almost killing machines but also can be killed much more easily without any guilt over killing a person
0: yeah. And the whole season it seems to me that one of the major ideas the season is guilt, innocence and forgiveness. Mhm. And if one of the fundamental defining characteristics of the robots is that they don't have guilt. That maybe gives a bit of an understanding of what Switch sees as the difference between Farouk and David and which one's a robot. Mm -hmm. Because David, although he does bad things, he does feel guilt in a way that Farouk doesn't.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And maybe that's not enough for me, but it may be enough for Switch. Like, who do you, uh, whose side do you be on person who's, emo- who's capable of remorse. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. There's also in this whole season, like we're talking about, if we're going to talk about guilt and innocence, like there's two meanings of guilt, right? Mm-hmm. Two different definitions of guilt. There's guilt in the emotional sense that like we feel bad. And then there's guilt in kind of a more ontological sense, like you have done something wrong. You are guilty. Yeah, culp- whether you culpability. feel culpability. Yeah, culpability. And I think culpability is a big idea in this season too. It's one of the things that like time travel for David one of the things that David and Sid argue about early, right? Is that like if he can go back and make it so that things didn't happen, that's a way of erasing his guilt. That he's motivated by guilt, not just emotionally, but by kind of a sense of culpability that he is trying to find a solution for. Mm-hmm. And he sees time travel as a potential solution for culpability. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe in the end it is. If he gets a second childhood, he gets to start over. Yeah. Then maybe that is, like offering him an actual possibility to erase his culpability. Mhm. I feel like one of the things that Sid's second childhood gave her was it uh I mean she she is less emotionally guilty. I don't know. But like She's more so much, she's so much more at peace afterwards. Mm -hmm. I don't think we see lots of evidence that she was feeling guilty before. Except that maybe I read between the lines to think that someone who is emotionally at peace implies someone who isn't kind of haunted by remorse and guilt and Mm -hmm. someone who wasn't emotionally at peace was. Mm. Maybe that's just me reading into it.
1: Maybe a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's all connected to the idea of childhood, right? One of the things...
1: Like the innocence of childhood? Innocence
0: of childhood. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we imagine about children is that they're innocent, is that they are, don't have guilt in the sense of culpability. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say we imagine, I don't mean to say that I disagree with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I just
0: like the story, the the ideas and, and the narrative that's attached to the concept of childhood is very attached to ideas of innocence, mm. right? Yeah. And that's all also tied in this whole season, like, I have guilt, innocence, and forgiveness all together in one line on my notes because I think that what David has been seeking for seven episodes of the eight is not forgiveness. It's erasure of his culpability Mm -hmm. and what he actually needed was forgiveness. Yeah. But what he'd done was beyond the, it, people's cap- capability to forgive mm-hmm. right yeah and so what needed to change and this is this seems kind of like a dangerous uh message maybe because well i'll say what I it is what needed to change wasn't david it was sid (laughs) Hmm. to move forward sid needed to come to a point where forgiveness wasn't beyond her capability anymore and maybe that's really crappy because it's a story where what needs to happen is that the victim needs to be responsible for the emotional well-being of the perpetrator
1: yeah that's that's not okay at all
0: but is that what the show is saying
1: is that it might be I'm not sure it I think we see different levels of forgiveness or unforgiveness or whatever like we definitely see Lenny dying rather than forgive David Mm mm-hmm she chooses death over anything else Mm mm-hmm um Sid yeah Sid forgives him, but she doesn't let him off the hook.
0: Yeah, I agree. She
1: just says that baby David is innocent. And so baby David deserves a chance.
0: And that's forgiveness that is a kind of forgiveness. And it is a kind of forgiveness.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, But it's a kind of forgiveness that doesn't put herself back in a position of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Which I don't think forgiveness entails.
1: Exactly. So we can forgive... But, just to get, like, reflective on this, we can forgive for atrocities, but that doesn't mean that we're put back in that victimhood. You don't have to re-victimize yourself to forgive.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the, like... I feel like we see a lot of forgiveness in fiction, a lot of trying to cope with forgiveness in fiction. And a lot of it is kind of trite. Mm. Because forgiveness is actually extremely profound and extremely uh, attractive. And that's why it keeps coming up in stories all over the place. But real forgiveness is difficult and complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to seek the kind of forgiveness that David is seeking, where, like, let's just pretend it never happened. Yeah. And behave as if it never happened. And I think Sid is totally right. I think even by the the end, even after her second childhood, I still think she was right about, like, even if you made nobody have the consequences of those things, you're still the one who, you still did them. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, right? absolutely. I think that's a perspective that I don't think the show backs off on, and I'm not willing to back off on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that uh, knowledge of that doesn't have to consume Sid and eat her up anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. And that when she, when it's not consuming her anymore, she can make choices that are better for herself and for the world and that's Mm -hmm. symbolized as being like that helps david too well great but it's for the world and for herself you know what i mean so sid really is the hero so sid really is the hero and that's the (laughs) other thing about like forgiveness to me forgiveness narratives are they mean something very different when the message is you need to forgive me than when the message is, I need to forgive you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Those just mean very different things. And so the question of whether this show's message is, you need to forgive me, or I need to forgive you, is whether Sid is a you or an I mm-hmm. <laughs> in this show.
1: I think she's an I. I think she's
0: an I. I think that's what's meant by Sid's the hero. Is not that Sid's the... I mean, they use the word hero, but I I don't think that Sid's the one who's morally right all the time. I think she's the protagonist. You know? I
1: agree. I agree. Should we move on to some lighter things? Let's move on to some lighter things. Of discussing... uh... What are some of our favorite moments, favorite episodes, favorite musical numbers from this season?
0: Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I have top four musical numbers. It's top four? How many? There weren't that many. There were like only four musical numbers in general. Oh, were there?
1: Well, <laughs> there were one, two. Yeah, there were only four.
0: Oh, man. Okay, Okay, so I have the top four musical numbers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what's... basically, you've ranked the four musical numbers in the season.
0: I guess. What do you, what's your favorite musical number this season?
1: Um, I think in the end for me, it's the rap battle.
0: <sighs> the rap battle is so good. Because I love, uh, Derek, the wolf, Jason, <laughs> I can't remember his real name.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, uh, I can't remember either
1: he is great and Jemaine Clement is great and it's uh it's the funniest of them and I do lean towards the funny when it comes to the musical numbers so that's what I like the best what about you
0: I have such a hard time choosing Mm -hmm. because I love every one of them I deeply love every one of them I think my very favorite might still be Something for Your Mind. Uh,
1: which is the very first one. Which is the very first with one. Some, with yeah.
0: Switch in the, like, Apple Store ad where... Or the Gap ad. Or the Gap ad, uh, yeah. From the 90s. Where things are walking around and they're... It's just like the very first musical number in the whole show. It's unexpected. Mm-hmm suddenly they just start singing and my pure joy <laughs> when they suddenly start singing, I think that's all. I didn't know the song before mm. the, that, uh, moment. I really like that song. And now it's one of my, you know, it's a song that is in my playlists mm-hmm. and my mental playlist. Uh, and it's, such a weird moment in the ways that i really like of this show but what's so funny about peace love and understanding is not is also weird in a different way like Mm -hmm. something for your mind is a weird and made way that made me want to like laugh and clap my hands and like just was delightful what's so funny about peace love and understanding Gave me this reaction that, like, there's something really profound in how surreal this is. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, something for your mind, I don't think I sought profundity in it. hmm But what's so funny about Peace, Love, and Understanding, suddenly they're singing, and, like, it, it almost, like, it kind of almost made me cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful emotional moment that doesn't make logical sense but it speaks to me on some level I can't even articulate. Mm. It was a beautiful moment of television. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely beautiful.
1: See, and... and I feel that way about mother.
0: Yeah. When
1: him when David and Gabrielle sing oh. together. I felt that was so emotional and so profound.
0: Yeah. And again, it doesn't make really logical sense. No. I mean, none of them make logical sense because they're singing, except maybe the rap battle does, because it's in a uh, dream, uh, astral plane, anyway. Yeah. But like, yeah, I love. The way this show uses music, and we're talking about the musical numbers, but, like, the way this season has used music. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is something that really more makes more sense for a, a show retrospective. The way this season has used these four musical numbers that are, like, they're funny and they're bizarre and they're weird and they're moving and profound and emotional and they're, like hitting something just right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's like the way that this season has used music, the way the show has used music is like, you're hitting something exactly right somehow.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I can't can't believe you're hitting the bullseye so perfectly, (laughs) you know? Yep. So actually, I think that the rap battle is my least favorite of the four, although I love it. (laughs) I think it's less emotionally uh, satisfying for me. Yes,
1: that's also true.
0: But I do love it. And Jermaine Clement is like... I absolutely love. Yeah. He wished me a happy birthday on Twitter once. So I think we're basically friends. I think we can say that. Hey, Jermaine. I assume you're listening.
1: Yeah. Do Do you you have a favorite episode?
0: I think in the whole... It is... Like choosing a favorite child, but uh, uh-huh. I think
1: so. You have one, so I have
0: one for sure, <laughs> and it's static, static, static. Um, my favorite episode, I think, is the one with Sid in Sid's childhood. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. You're
1: just saying that was your least favorite song. It's your favorite episode. Yeah. Hmm.
0: I think it is. that is is, uh, we called that episode Cinnamon Girl. I don't know what episode of the season it is. I just have in front of me our titles for it. Mm -hmm. It's our chapter 25, Cinnamon Girl. It was my least favorite musical number, but I still really liked it. And I Mm -hmm. loved seeing uh, Oliver and Melanie again. I think I said at the time, it was my favorite Melanie ever. Yeah, absolutely. And I have never been anything other than delighted when Jermaine Clement is on my TV screen.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: uh, and then, like... I think it's the hinge for this series. Mm. Season. Yeah, for the season. I think it's the hinge for the season. Yeah. That, like... It makes sense of everything before and after it, and it all revolves around that moment, and David isn't even in it. Yeah. And then it's so... The, like... I have I am on record as saying I like the bizarre. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yep. But it's hard to choose. I yeah. like a lot of these episodes I, I liked this season quite a lot. How about you? What's your favorite episode of the season?
1: Mine was the second episode which has it's the one where they reference Charlie Brown. It is uh they capture Carrie mm. in that episode, and that's so that's where they have the um mad hatter's picnic yeah and carrie has that whole thing where he's following the woman around the room in that clown <laughs> moment that's yeah. so fantastic um yeah just so many little things in that episode was enough to make it my favorite i think
0: it is a really good yeah episode. farouk
1: playing oh in the style of <laughs> peanuts on the piano was just like the icing on the cake yeah, I don't know what it was. It turned him into a Peanuts character. Yeah. But I also really... I also really like the one where it's like just... Bananas jumping around in time. Yeah. Because it's just like... This is what this show is like where they end up... Some of them end up in the gap between time where they're in like a silent movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... It's all in subtitles and it's, it's what this show is all about. Yeah. is just weirdness. <laughs> and you just got to hop on that train and ride it. Don't think about it too hard, except that's what we do in this podcast.
0: We, but... do we take everything <laughs> and... and look at it too hard. Yeah. That's kind of our raison d'être.
1: But yeah. Episode two. Favorite episode of the season.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I won't. Uh...
1: And possibly because it contains my favorite moment, which is Carrie yeah. doing that thing where he follows the girl around the room, is just so good.
0: I'll agree that's one of the top moments of the show and of TV in general. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? This is really making you forcing you to choose different things, uh, difficult things. Do you have a favorite performance of the season?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I think this is my favorite Sid Mm -hmm. of all three seasons. Sid by the end of this season is maybe my favorite performance of Sid. I feel like Rachel Keller really came into her own this season. Yeah. But also Gabrielle.
0: Yeah. She's pretty great.
1: Gabrielle's pretty great. What about you?
0: I'm going to say Switch. Mm, Yeah. Although... You know, if I could list, I could just list every character. But Switch, I particularly enjoyed this season, maybe because she's only in this season. Yeah. And so if I think about the other characters, I have trouble containing it to this season. Mm -hmm. She was such a breath of fresh air. Uh, Not that the show was stale, but she was just like, I really liked her introduction. And I really liked what we got from her a lot.
1: Mm hmm. I mean, Dan Stevens just continues to be amazing. Yeah, Dan like, Stevens
0: is pretty... pretty.
1: Both Dan Stevens and Naveed... What's his name? Yeah, I don't know. Farouk. Anyway, Farouk has to have to uh, play multiple versions of themselves. And that is hard. And I think David... I think Dan Stevens has a lot more to do, but I think... I think both of them do such a great job and really believable that you forget that it's only one actor yeah. playing multiple roles.
0: Totally. And when I was like a second ago, I said I could list so many characters. One of the ones that was in my mind is Naveed Negoban, who I think uh, he I think he was good as the Shadow King in season two, but I think he really shone this season because he. He gave Farouk so much nuance that I wouldn't have expected possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: last season, he, Farouk had a lot more nuance than he did when he was just the Shadow King, but he still was kind of a caricatured villain. Mm-hmm. And in this season, we just really saw him seem human. And uh, Navid Nagaban brought us there so it didn't seem like an abrupt shift it was just like we kept seeing more and more layers in his characterization and then when we go back to the past and he's so different mm-hmm. and yet still the same yeah i thought he did really great. i thought he did really great
1: yeah so last season when we wrapped up season two we made <clears throat> predictions about season three. Oh, did we so uh we talked about how in the first season it was circles and in the second season it was hexagons and so we contemplated what will it be in the third season triangles infinity signs squares and it was kind of diamonds but it also was like it was everything yeah it was a lot more shapes
0: i don't think there was a dominating shape this season.
1: and one of our twitter followers tweeted us like their thoughts on what every different shape means. And I can't remember all what he said, but I like the idea of the shapes meaning different things from Mm -hmm. where they are.
0: Let's uh, make sure to look that up and talk about it when we do a series recap.
1: Yeah. Um, So I said that season three will involve David doing whatever he wants, a lot in David's head, Lenny will be with him the whole time, Hmm. and we'll see more of a mothering instinct from Lenny slash Amy.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So, there were some right things in there.
0: There were. Like,
1: pretty much all of those things were basically correct. They were not the way I thought they would be.
0: Yeah. But... I mean, Lenny was not with him the whole time. Yeah. She sort of was, but... Only really sort of. Yeah. she died before the season ended. And even when she was around, she wasn't emotionally with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like... And I
1: wouldn't have predicted that. Yeah. For sure. Uh, you predicted. Uh, Sid will be the hero. David's the villain. But we won't continue that. It will be three years in the future. <laughs> we'll have to get Melanie and Oliver out of the cube or go in there to consult with them. And we kind of went happen. in to consult yeah. with them. The primary conflict will be between David and everyone else. Yeah, And Farouk will still be around and dealing with Farouk, which totally did happen. Yeah, uh, We both predicted that there'd definitely be time travel, which, yuh yeah. Yes, there sure was. <laughs> uh, we knew already that Professor X was going to be in season three. Uh, we also said it would be a crazy ride. Anything we speculate will be wrong. And then you said
0: this. Maybe season future. three ends by traveling back to the past, to before all of this happens. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole show is a loop. And man, were you right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm very smart. <laughs> I <would> just like...
1: <laughs> But back to the past, before any of this happens, and the whole show is a loop, and that's literally what happened. So, ding, 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 Paul wins the prediction game. <laughs> Yay!
0: We would love to hear... Uh, Your thoughts on this season and on this series. I said this at the top of the show, but if you had predictions that turned out right, that turned out badly, uh, let us know about them. We'll be back. I mean, I'm I'm starting wrap-up talk to you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back soon. Like, we are going to try to record the next one this week. So seven days from recording this. We'll try to record another one. So if you have input and thoughts, get them to us and we will read them and read them in our next episode where we will do a retrospective and recap and and looking back on the series as a whole. Uh, and then I guess we'll have to think about what comes next for us. Mm-hmm. It has been... Such a joy to, to do this podcast and to have people talk back to us even more so. Um, so thank you for joining us now and all through the past. I have been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. You can contact us again, Twitter at ClockworksCast or email ClockworksCast at gmail.com. Goodbye. <laughs> I put that in the wrong place. That's okay. Just say goodbye. Goodbye.